You're listening to the Angels and Awakening podcast, and I'm your host, Julie Jancis. I have the gift of connecting with your angels and loved ones on the other side. The intention of every podcast episode and every service that I offer is to help you heal, to help you raise your vibration, and to give you the tools you need to help others. Why? Because when you take responsibility for your own healing and your own joy, and you use what you've learned to serve others, you're helping to shift the vibration on earth to a place of more peace. And isn't that what it's all about? If you feel called to work with me, we have many services available to you. We offer a new online e-course with a new topic every month. These help you dive deeper on your spiritual journey. We also offer an Angel Reiki certification training program. We call it the Angel School. It's held every other month in person and twice a year online. Here, you'll become a certified Angel Reiki master teacher and develop your spiritual gifts. Twice a month, we offer a live online group Reiki healing session. You just call into a webinar number and listen as I guide you through a healing session with the angels. You can also book a one-on-one angel message reading with me. You help keep this podcast going, friends, when you book one or more of these services on my website, www.jancis.com. That's my last name, .com. Stay tuned at the end of this podcast to hear all about the freebies we offer as well and how you can win a free session. Hello, everyone. I am so excited because we are on today with Jean Chatsky. She is the financial editor of NBC's Today Show, an award-winning personal finance journalist. She also has a new book that came out in 2019, Women With Money, and she has a podcast too. Jean, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yay. So I um, have to ask you before we get started, who's the fatherly figure on the other side um, for you? What do you mean? Oh, you mean- Is that wait, your dad? What? Yeah. Yeah. And is mom still here? Yeah. Okay. And then who's the grandmother that you were really closely connected to on the other side? Oh, I'm named for her. Okay. And her husband's on the other side with her because she stepped forward this morning with him. Um, yeah. 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 Um, I mean, I didn't actually know her. Okay. So, but I'm named for her. Okay. Um, sorry. Sometimes uh, occupational hazard, they just won't leave until <laughs> you talk. Uh, and bring through what they want you to bring through. But um, your dad's so proud of you. I don't know when he passed. Um, He's just so, so proud of you. And the other thing that he was showing me in my prayers this morning is um, you have a daughter or more than one daughter. And um, I don't bring through anything negative. I only bring through positive. I went to Catholic school and wanted to be a nun and had a great job. And my dad passed away and all this started coming through when he passed. And um, what your dad was showing me is that one of the girls is going through a lot right now, or um, there's some bigger transitions. And he just needs you to know that everything's okay. He's working with her on that. Thank you. Yeah. Does that make sense? 
It makes it. Yeah. It makes total sense. Do people cry on your podcast all the time? You know, it doesn't always happen. You know, not every guest has a lot of stuff or people on the other side and I really don't have control over it. It's just whoever's there is there. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you. Um, yeah, of course. So I am so excited that you're here because you're such a, I know you don't like the word guru, but financial expert. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. Well, I've certainly been doing it a long time. Oh, well, and some of my listeners might be saying, well, Julie, why are you having someone talk about money on the podcast? And what I want you all to know is that as I work through my sessions and go through the chakras of my clients, you know, each chakra holds different information about energy that you're carrying. And when I'm working on someone who has a uh, that needs their root chakra cleared, about 90% of the time it's related to money. Because the root chakra deals with our survival and this day and age, money is survival to most people. Um, you know, if you're, I've heard you say before, Jean, if you're not financially healthy, you can't be physically healthy. And if you're not physically healthy, it's hard to be financially healthy. Yeah, they're so intertwined because, I mean, at, in a tactical sense, and, and I know you go much deeper than tactics, but in a, in a tactical sense, if you're not physically healthy, you are going to blow through all of your financial resources trying to get physically healthy, right? Healthcare is just in that precarious place at this point right now. And if you're not financially healthy, you might be able to stay physically healthy while you're in your 20s or your 30s, but as soon as you hit your 40s and need to go to the chiropractor, just give it up because that's when the bills start to pile up. So they really, they really do, in that sense, work together. But I also think, and I, I want to ask you some questions about that root chakra. Yeah. Um, I also think that right now when we look at the inordinate amount of stress that we're under as a society. We are just full up with stress and so many causes of those stresses are financial and they take a toll on our physical health. I mean, they cause headaches and stomach aches and back aches and fights with our spouses and they, they really, um, they really do us absolutely no favors. And so we have to get that financial stress under control. Um, when it comes, I don't mean to hijack your podcast, but no, when it no. comes to that root chakra, right? And the need for survival. One of the things that I learned over and over again when I was writing Women With Money was that when I would ask women what they wanted from their money, over and over, I heard safety and security and stability. And I, um, I understood that from sort of a taking care of yourself perspective. But when you say it's in the chakra, does that mean it's biological? 
No. So what I show my clients is that if you thought of the soul as a mini orb of light, and let's say it's like the sun, you just shrunk it down to about the size of a grapefruit, but it's pure white light because white is the highest color vibration that is. What happens is just like the sun, it has rays that shine out in every direction. And that orb sits right inside your chest and it spins and that light shines out. And what happens is the way that we manifest things into physical reality is it doesn't start within the body. It actually works its way through the auric field, through the chakras, into the body. And that's how I can kind of diagnose with people where their issues are at. If it's something that they're just working on that's out in the the auric field, it's easier to work through. If it's worked its way into the physical body and you're feeling that pain buildup in the head, like you were saying with headaches or different things going on, you can really feel it as an energy healer as you're going through and working with a, with a client. Wow. Fascinating. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, of course. Of course. So what I want to do today is talk about money. And I've got a couple of different ways I want to go. First, I want to talk about for those who are not doing a good job managing their money. And let's go through the different levels. Those who aren't doing a good job, those who are okay managing their money, and those who are financially savvy. What goals would you give those three levels of of people to work on in 2020? So let's start with the people who feel like they're not doing a good job, who feel like they're a bit of a financial mess. Um, The important thing for everybody to understand is that there's no rocket science to this. I'm an English major out of college. I learned this as a journalist. And if I can do this, then I think anybody can do this. And I I can do this. But I think part of the reason that I'm able to manage my own money and to help other people with theirs is that I figured out a really long time ago that there are really only five things that you have to do. You just have to do them over and over and over again, right? You have to earn money. It all comes from the earning. If there's, if we're not earning or if somebody in the family is not earning, there's nothing to manage. Um, you have to spend less than you make, which means you have to save something. Uh, and that's hard for a lot of emotional reasons. Um, you have to take what you're not spending, take the money that you're saving and put it to work so that it grows because if it doesn't grow, it's losing purchasing power every single year. You got to protect your financial world and you have to figure out some way to give back, right? So those five things often repeated are the key to everything in your financial life. And you can make each one of them as complicated or as simple as you want. If you feel like you are just a big mess today, step number one is tracking your spending. If you can get yourself to just track your spending, and you can do it with pencil and paper. You you can use an app, of course. There are plenty of apps out there. You can can do it on your computer, but you can also just take a piece of paper and a pencil and write down everything that you spend. Do that for a month, and all of a sudden, you're going to open your eyes to where your money is going because you don't know right now. 
And that gives you the ability to make changes about where you want your money to go. And the end goal is just using this resource that we have to give us the lives that we want. So, so that's what I would say to those people, track your spending. Let's talk about that for a second. So when it comes to this, I think the biggest thing that I see with the clients that I work with is it's fear. They don't want to track the spending because there's fear. Um, they don't want to make changes with how they're, they're spending it. How do you work with your clients to overcome that fear that they're holding on to? So I don't, I don't actually have clients. I have readers um, right. at hermoney.com. We have people who subscribe to our newsletters and listen to the Her Money podcast, and that's how they get this information for free, by the way. Um, I am a hold your nose and just do it kind of a girl, right? I don't want to have... I don't want to get on the scale the morning after I have very salty Chinese food, but I do it anyway. And that's, that's sort of what you have to do. Just do one day and then you've done one day and then you can do another day. And that's how you start to see, that's how you start to see the patterns. And by the way, that sort of jumping into the pool is how you get started with almost all of this stuff. So for the people who um, who feel like they're doing an okay job, but maybe not a wonderful job, um, this is a good time to figure out what actually you want your money to do for you and whether you're using your money to help you achieve those goals. And it's a great way to get on the same page with your spouse or your partner um, to just sit down and, and open a bottle of wine and say, what do we want this year? You know, what do we want in five years? What do we want long term? Um, because once you get on the same page about your goals, then you can start figuring out how to use the money to achieve those goals. Um, also, for people at this level, I would say take a look at your investing. A lot of people, but particularly a lot of women, don't self-identify as investors, even if we have 401ks, even if we've got IRAs, because of that need for safety and security that we were talking about before, we tend to leave far too much money just sitting in the bank, even when it's not our emergency cushion and it is um, earning us nothing. So make sure that you're putting a, a enough of your money to work and that it's in a portfolio that is diversified and that's right for your age and your risk tolerance. And the easiest way to do this is to just buy something called a target date retirement fund. Every 401k, every brokerage firm, every IRA, they all have them. It's just a mutual fund with a date in the title that lines up with about the date that you think that you're going to retire. And it's a one-stop shop. You put all your money into that. You don't have to make any other decisions and it will keep you in balance. So it's different from a 401k? So it's an investment in a 401k. I hear this all the time. People, people say, I want to go buy an IRA. Um, actually, you want to open an IRA. IRA is individual retirement account, just like a 401k is a retirement account. And then you have to put investments in that account. You have to buy investments, stocks, bonds, mutual funds to put into that account. So a target date retirement fund is a one-stop investment that you would put into that retirement account. So once, you're, once the money 
comes into your 401k because your employer facilitated that through paycheck withdrawals, paycheck deductions. You've got this pool of money sitting there. You have to put it to work. Some employers will actually default you into a target date fund because they know that it's the best solution for most people. But if they don't do that, you got to do it yourself. Oh, interesting. So going back to what you were saying about women not putting enough of their money to work for them, what do you say? Is there a ratio on this? How much money do you keep in the bank for a rainy day? How much do you invest? Again, it goes back to your goals. So we all should have an emergency cushion. And that emergency cushion is anywhere from three to six months worth of living expenses, you know, in case you lose your job, in case you get sick. And that money should be in a liquid bank account. Um, my preference is to see it in a bank account where you're earning a slightly higher rate of interest and you can shop around for, for one of those banks. Usually they're banks that live on the internet rather than at a brick and mortar store. Um, beyond that, and, and I want to come back to the emergency cushion in a second. Beyond that, any money that you need for your short-term goals in the next three-ish years, maybe three to five, should not be in the market either because the markets go up and down. Lately, they've just been going up and that tends to give people a very um, false sense of confidence that they will continue to go up. It's, it's actually a, um, there's a term for it. It's called recency bias. We tend to think that things that have happened recently are going to keep happening. But in the case of the stock markets, they don't, right? They go up and they go down. And we've been in a bull market for such a long time that we know that eventually we're going to have a correction. And because of the length of this bull market, it may be a substantial correction. And so it may take a little bit of time for them to come back again. You don't want your kids' college tuition that you need to pay the bill in, in 2021 sitting in the stock market where it could get a big chunk taken out of it and you wouldn't have it at your disposal. That's the kind of money that you actually do want in the bank or in a money market fund where it's not going to um, lose value. But anything beyond that five year period um, can, be, can be invested. What I'm referring to when I, I talk about the too much money that we have in the bank, uh, the folks at Fidelity did a, a survey recently and they found that women on average have about $20,000 just sitting in the bank beyond our emergency funds. And that, that money should be working for us, right? When you look at, at the 0.1% that we've been earning on bank accounts over the last couple of years, last decade or so, I mean, it's just silly. Yeah. Um, so so that, that's part of it. The, the one thing that I do want to say about the emergency fund, and I probably should have said this for the people who feel like they're not doing a good enough job with your money, don't stress about the whole three to six month thing. Yes, it's optimal, but just try to get a couple of thousand dollars stashed away so that if you have a big medical bill that you didn't plan on, or if your car needs a fix, um, you actually can use that money to pay for it and you don't have to go into credit card debt. A couple thousand dollars in a liquid account, that is your insurance against high interest rate credit card debt. 
So let me ask you this. So people who have, people know where to go to set up a retirement fund. But after that, if you have some extra cash to play with, um, maybe it's just a couple of thousand dollars, where do you go to set up those accounts? So I probably, for administrative ease, start right back at that same company that has my retirement account, right? If you've got your retirement account through work at a Fidelity or a Schwab or a T. Rowe or a Vanguard, um, you can open a, a discretionary account with them. And the benefit of doing it with the firm that already has your retirement account is that for administrative ease, you'll be able to just sign on through the same portal and see everything. And that that's important. I, I, you know, when I have too many things in too many places, I lose things. So you don't want to lose this. Um, but you can open it at any brokerage firm. If you've been, if you've been watching, um, if you think you're one of those people who wants to trade individual stocks and you've been watching the ads and one of those brokerage firms appeals to you, that you can go that, that route too. So a lot of us too, we went through the 2008 recession and there was a ton of fear that mm -hmm. went along with that. People pulled their money out of the stock market and a lot of people didn't put it back in. So they missed out on all of this bull market activity. Do you see us going through something similar? Because you, I don't really feel like we're going into something like 2008. That was that was kind of a once in a lifetime thing, right? Let's hope. Let's hope, fingers crossed, once in a generation at least. No, I, I, I don't think so. And I think when you look at the economy, I mean, we are starting to see more headlines um, sporadically talking about recession. Uh, the, the interesting thing about a recession is you may not know that you're in one until it's almost over um, okay. because of the way the economic data works. But I am not, and I've never been a market timer. I think that, um, I think our best bet as individuals is just to keep putting money in no matter what happens. Um, think about it as if when the markets do go down, you have the opportunity to buy some great companies on sale and just continue to continue to rebalance so you're taking the appropriate amount of risk but you are um you're participating participation is is the most important thing um and for those people who missed this run and it's been an incredible you know the markets are up 300 percent since they bottomed out in 09. um for people who did miss that don't you know it's not necessary to wait for the correction for a correction you can just buy over time and then you'll get the corrected prices as well as the um as the ones that we're at right now yeah so i want to ask you about this because you've talked about um income inequality and getting paid what you're worth and i know this can be a sensitive topic to a lot of people who are working for employers but there is income inequality and i'm wondering if you can talk about that to our listeners and how do you go into the office and ask for what you're worth um yeah, there, there's tremendous income inequality. Still, women are only earning, on average, about 80 cents on the dollar for every dollar that a man earns. Women of color are earning significantly less than that. 
think about what the job is worth. Think about what somebody new coming to your company would get paid to do the work that you're doing. And there's a lot of research that you can do to, um, there's a lot of research you can do to figure out what that price is, right? You can do research outside your company. You can also do research inside your company. Often human resources departments will have bands of, um, uh, of pay scales. They'll, they'll have published information on what people at various ranks within the company will be earning. So, so you can ask that and, and often you will get that information. And then when you go to have this negotiation, understand it is not about what you need and it's not about what you want. It's about the value that you're bringing to the person on the other side of the table. And you show them what you're doing for them, what you're doing for the company and make it very aware what it would cost them if you were to leave um, in a very nice way, of course. Um, but we did a podcast recently that you can listen to um, with a woman named Tracy Keough. Uh, she runs human resources at Hewlett Packard and she has a fabulous strategy for negotiating. So if you go to hermoney.com, you can, you can find that. She actually said that learning how to negotiate was the best thing she learned at Harvard Business School. And she now teaches the women at Hewlett Packard how to negotiate against her because she wants to get them all paid more. Um, we also had another podcast with um, a woman named Claire Wasserman, who runs a website called Ladies Get Paid. So between the two of those and this conversation, I think your listeners will be able to get what they're worth. That's fantastic. Thank you so much, Jean. You know, it's interesting because one of the other things that I see with energy happening is in 2011, 2012, people talk about this big energy shift that we had in the world. And what I see is that divine masculine that we've lived in for thousands of years, divine feminine is rising up to meet that. And this is a question that I've been struggling with over the last year, but it seems like in order for divine feminine to rise up and meet divine masculine, we need new systems that benefit women. And one of the hardest systems, I'm in a great marriage. I have the best partner in the entire world. He is absolutely phenomenal. Um, but I do see marriage as a system that gets us stuck in partnerships that is very difficult financially to get out of. Do you see this? How do we restructure? Can you structure marriage in a way that you're not pooling your money together and that if the partnership ends, both parties walk away with their money and not giving it to lawyers? So, um, Yes and no, right? You can, a prenup does very much what you are suggesting. A prenup says, this is what I'm coming into the relationship with. This is what you're coming into the relationship with. And this is what happens if we choose to get divorced. Um, and because it lays out many of those parameters, it does, or at least is supposed to make things a lot easier to negotiate if you go through a divorce on the back end. And, and so that's one thing. 
but I also think we can solve a lot of the emotional problems regarding money in marriages with some autonomy. Um, I'm married for the second time. I've been through a divorce. The first time I did not have a prenup. This time I do. And um, my husband and I have um, yours, mine, and ours accounts. Um, we both came into this relationship with a lot of, with, with big lives behind us, with two kids each behind us. And so we, we, um, we felt a big need to make sure that we protected those children, um, each of us individually. But what it's also done is we, we pool money for household expenses. We do it based on a percentage of our, our respective incomes. And it's given us autonomy to do the other things that we want to do with the money that is remaining. Um, you know, I'm a much bigger shopper than he is. I like to shop. I do it for fun. Um, he would not go into a store other than like a, a gourmet grocery store if he had to ever. Uh, so it's, it's, you know, it's a very different perspective. I like to just, you know, go out and touch everything. Um, and, and I don't want to answer to him for the money that I am spending on, um, on clothes or gifts or whatever. I, you know, that's sort of, a, I earn it. It's my business. I don't want to have to tell him about it. And he doesn't need to tell me what he's doing with his discretionary money either. It's, it's you know, we, we've taken care of our life together so then we can give ourselves some space. I love that. And Jean, am I right in saying you're an entrepreneur and that you run your own business? Um, and there are so many entrepreneurs. There's a great big percentage that the entrepreneur field is going to keep growing a lot of that women. And as you become an entrepreneur, money changes a little bit because you're paying yourself completely. There's also some fear of keeping that money system going. Um, it also, this fear comes in because in order to grow your business, you have to pay more for the things that you need to grow that business. How do yeah. you manage this and how do you um, encourage others to manage this as well? So, um, so yeah, I've been running my own business for almost a more than a decade, I guess. Um, and it's, it's grown, um, recently as we launched her money, I took on a business partner. Um, he helps me and, and we do a lot of these things together, but, but you're right. I, I think, um, as in life in business, you can't run away from the numbers. You know, the numbers don't lie. The numbers are your friends. And if you are paying attention to the numbers, then they will tell you um, the trends. They will tell you how much you can invest back in your business. They will tell you, you know, whether and when you can afford to bring in more people or get a bigger office or um, take a flyer on something new. You just kind of keep having to level up as you go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's hard. Boy, it is. It is. I mean, I think you do this as well, but it is. It is definitely, definitely challenging. It is. It is. So talk to people about um, the best financial decision that you ever made. Wow. I don't, I'm sure I've been asked this before, but I... Um, 
I think it was, um, I think it was buying our beach house, actually. I mean, my husband and I, um, before we got married, we, we spent um, a, a month each summer at a place that we love on the, on the shore in New Jersey. And in our vows, um, we talked about someday uh, buying a house there and, and using it as a place where our friends and our family could just congregate. And um, I don't know why we did it so fast, but we, we bought a house like five months after we got married. And I think we just found something wasn't too big, wasn't too intimidating, and, and we just did it. And it's, it's um, I, I love going there. I feel my blood pressure just go down the minute that we, we get close to the island. Oh, I love that. That's my dream, too. <laughs> That's wonderful. Um, what are the biggest financial mistakes that people make? You want to know about mine or you want to know about everybody? <laughs> Everybody's. And how do we avoid them in 2020? So I just actually recently saw a survey last week about um, the, uh, the number of, of people who are still cashing out 401ks when they change jobs. I mean, this is, actually, this is the mistake that's on the top of my list. I did it when I left my first job. I, I didn't really, this was 1987. I didn't really understand what a 401k was, um, much less that I had one. And so when I left that job, I got a check and I took it and I didn't redeposit it in an IRA. I didn't roll it over. I went shopping. I spent it. I, I mean, I was thrilled at the time, but it was um, it was a, a mistake that that cost me a lot of money in hindsight. the The problem with cashing out retirement accounts when you switch jobs is that these days we're switching jobs so frequently. Um, millennials are switching jobs every almost three years, and if you um, don't roll the balance into the retirement plan at your next job, you're never going to gain any traction. You're never going to have a base on that that money can grow on. So don't cash it out. Just leave it in the old plan if you can or if you want to. Sometimes that's an option. Roll it into an IRA. Roll it into the new plan. But maintain the tax protection and just let it grow. So that's, that's a big one. Um, not having an emergency cushion is a big one. Not um, getting over our heads in debt. I'm starting to worry about that again. Not so much about mortgages like the last time around, mm -hmm. but um, credit card balances are headed up again. Student loans are very, very worrisome. And yeah, let's I talk about that because I'm sorry to cut you off. When I went to school in 2000 to 2004, I mean, the, the loan, the interest rate on the loan was not very much. It was very easy to like get and to pay off. What are the interest rates at now? I'm hearing everybody talk about this. It's not the interest rates that are problematic. The interest rates are still fairly low. It's, okay. it's I mean, they're, they're higher than they were, right? It, I think they were around five and a half percent at this point. But um, it's the balances, it's the size of the debt itself. I, on average, kids are coming out of school with $38,000 in debt. It's just, it's just way too much. And so I, I think we have to take a step back and look at whether or not we should borrow in the first place. And that means 
taking a further step back and looking at your choice of college. Um, there's so many great colleges in this country. There are colleges that want you and those colleges will pay to have you. So, you know, if you've got kids, those kids jobs are to get a good grade, get good grades and build a resume of activities that make them attractive to colleges. And then we've got to help our kids cast a very wide net when it comes to their applications and include schools that are a little off the radar, that, that, that will want to have them um, because those are the schools that will offer them the most in, in financial aid that does not have to be repaid. You know, um, I live in Illinois and we've got a 529 plan for our daughter who's eight years old. Is yeah. that the right way to go in saving for college? Yeah, no, it's it's totally the right way to go. It's how I, when, when I got divorced, I was responsible for paying for half of college for my kids and, and I did it with 529 plans. Importantly, if you've got them, just like your 401k is funded with automatic contributions, you wanna be automatically contributing to your 529s because if we don't make automatic contributions, then life gets in the way of saving money. So just figure out how much you can put in every month and just set it and forget it. Put it on, put it on automatic pilot. Um, Morningstar, which is also based in Illinois, it's in Chicago, they, they did a, a study um, recently and found that the average um, family isn't starting their 529s for their kids until their kids are seven. That's too late. Um, you're missing out on those very, very early years of growth. And then share the news that you have 529s with grandma and grandpa and all the aunts and uncles and anybody else who asks you, um, what does your kid want for their birthday? You know, I don't care what my kid wants for his birthday. I want a contribution for the 529 or give the kid a little present yeah. and put some money in the 529. Yeah, because our kids don't need 20 birthday presents. That's right. <laughs> Um, okay, so let's say somebody is listening to this and they are like you. You, I've heard you say before you were uh, an English major and you went through your own financial messiness to find your way. And I love that because it gives everybody who's starting out at that financial messy place hope that we can become as financially savvy as you. So if somebody's really just starting out and this is their goal for 2020, how um, where do they start with the materials and the resources that you offer getting more knowledgeable? So I would say it's, it's part, sometimes reading a whole book, although I've written a lot of them, is, is a little daunting. Go to hermoney.com slash sign up and just subscribe to our podcast, subscribe to our newsletter. You'll start getting it in dribs and drabs, and you'll just become a part of the conversation. And that's really what it's all about. It'll seep in. It is not that complicated. You just have to make it a part of your daily life. Oh, I love that. Well, thank you so much, Jean, for being on the podcast. I am so excited that you were able to come on the show. We value your time and, and you being here. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Beautiful souls, we have so many freebies to help serve you, your family, and friends. Want a weekly message from your angels emailed to you? Sign up on my website to receive a weekly message of love, hope, and healing from the angels. Do you have a prayer request? 
Go to the homepage of my website and submit your prayer request so that our team of prayer warriors can be praying for you daily. Want to learn more about the angels and energy healing? Subscribe to my YouTube channel called Julie Jancis to learn more about the angels, energy healing techniques, and so much more. One of the biggest things we hear from our listeners is that they have no one to talk to about their spiritual awakening. We created a private Facebook group called the Angels and Awakening Podcast Tribe so that you could connect with others like you and know that you're not alone. So be sure to join this group on Facebook to get the support you need. Want a free session? We plan to give away over 240 free sessions with students in the Angel School per year. To win a free session, subscribe and rate this podcast five stars. Then write a positive review and email us a screenshot. That way, we know who to contact when you win. Want to share your uplifting angel story on the podcast? Because we love sharing them. Please write down your angel story and email it to us. Don't forget, be an angel and share this podcast with someone who needs it. See you back here next time for another episode of the Angels and Awakening podcast.